Well, good morning, Axis Church. So good to see you guys. Uh, it is uh, the last three weeks I haven't been here because we opened the Middletown campus, and it was really important for me to be up there and to help them get to the finish line with the building that also started well. But I did miss you guys, and it is so good to be back here with you all. Did you enjoy the video that we showed three weeks ago where they supported Connor and Abby from Whitewater Church, and they sent them? Did you guys appreciate that? It was so good to see. Amen. So good to see uh, when another church just comes alongside and says, we want to see uh, these individuals do something great in God's kingdom. And that is exactly the way it should be. When churches aren't competing with each other, but they are cooperating together for the kingdom of Christ. And it is so good to realize that the table of Jesus is not just a table at this church or this location. It is a table that welcomes all. Now, when I grew up, uh, we had a table at our house, and it sat six people, which was perfect because we had six in our family. And Sherry and Jonathan sat next to my dad, and Mark and I sat next to mom. That's why that today I still eat uh, one thing at a time, leading to the best thing at the end of the meal. Amen? And Jonathan and Sherry, they would eat whatever they wanted to eat, whenever they wanted to eat it, to kind of match what dad did. And, and we had a lot of great times at the, at the family table, a lot of great stories, uh, laughter. When I was a little kid, Mark would fa make faces across the table at me. He was 11 years older than me, and, and uh, we had a lot of good times. Uh, but I also loved it when my mom would say, Stephen, go to the closet and get those two leaves for the table. Company's coming. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And she would say, we got people coming over today. And you'd split that table open and you would set that leaf in there, push it back together. And now instead of a table for six, you had a table for 12. And maybe it would be some visiting missionaries from out of town. Or maybe it would be friends that would come over. Or maybe it would be extended family that would come to the dinner table that night. And those were amazing times because what we're saying is our table is open. We are welcoming. We want you to be here. And friends, that is what we are doing as a church. We are always looking for ways to add another leaf to the table. We're looking for ways to add a seat. We're wanting more people to become disciples of Jesus Christ, sit at his feet, and feast on his word. And today, we're going to look at another story in the Bible where Jesus was at a table, even though he wasn't at a table this time, but he did offer food to people. And in fact, it's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15. It, Jesus was actually on a mountainside that day. And this story is going to sound very familiar because you're used to the story of the feeding of the 5,000 where they didn't have any food, and everybody had been there all day, and Jesus said, you give them something to eat, and they found one little boy with his meal, and he brought it up, and because of that, everybody uh, was blessed, and Jesus broke the bread and fed over 5,000 people that day. You remember that story. But another story that's very similar is in the Gospel of Matthew, and this is where Jesus fed 4,000 people. We read about this time where a great crowd gathered and they, again, had just a little bit of food. And we're going to read that story today, and we're going to learn some application from it. We're going to see how it applies to our life today, and in particular to our church. Here's some things I want you to know at the table. At the table, there is significance. Everybody matters. Look at verse 29. 
just left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. And then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on their way. And that, those few verses tell us some, something significant about the heart of Jesus. He, he was on the mountainside, and person after person from this great crowd were coming to be healed by Jesus. The crippled came, the lame came, and they had handmade canes, maybe, as they got up that mountainside. Or they had somebody that they were able to rest on their arm that would get them in front of Jesus. The blind came, and they had friends that would guide them by the hand up the mountainside to get an audience with Jesus. The mute came, and they couldn't speak before they met Jesus, but they shouted the powerful name of Jesus after they met him. And the people saw this, and they were so amazed. Now, I don't know how long it takes to heal a great crowd, how many hours, but the text says three days, and nobody was going to leave. I mean, could you imagine being there, and you brought your friend, and he was lame, and now he could walk, or he could not see, and now he can see, or, or she, was, uh, she was unable to speak, and now she can speak? And you're just watching this person after person after person being healed by Jesus. And after three days of this, Jesus looks around at the crowd and says, they've all been here for so long, they haven't eaten. And I don't want them going home. And on the way home, they collapse because they haven't eaten for three days. And it says, the text says, that Jesus had compassion on them. And that tells me this about the heart of Jesus. He's concerned about the big needs, the obvious needs, like the lame and the blind, but he's also concerned about the unspoken needs, like the need to just eat food. That's how basic his compassion was. He was compassionate on those who had been healed, but he was also compassionate on those who were there just to watch or there's those who were there to hear his teaching. And it tells me that Jesus is concerned about the little things in my life. About, about the little problems that I have, about the little challenges that I have. And it tells me this about Jesus, that every single person matters to him. Every single person. Before we started Access Church in 2009, I was just praying, God, how would you want us to capture the mission that you have for us? And, and I could have been said anything because you know the mission of Jesus. Go make disciples, seek and save the lost, go have compassion on people. And we packaged it in a way, we set it in a way that I think makes sense for this generation, and that is that we would revolve the world around Jesus one life at a time. And what I'm saying there is that we would revolve people's lives, not around sports or around their work or around their income, but instead they would revolve their life around Jesus. In another way, Jesus said it this way in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, that you would seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things will be added to you. In other words, we want you to revolve your life around Jesus. But how many of you know in one location or two locations or 10 locations, Axis Church is not going to reach the entire world. Is that true? We're going to do our small little part. And how do we do it? One life at a time. We've said that a lot of different creative ways over the years. Do you remember that one time where we had t-shirts made that said, One Matters? 
Some of you guys are using that as your paint shirt now or whatever. It's been so long ago. But it said one matters. And what we were saying was, you need to pray for your one. Who is the one person in your life that needs to know Christ? And this text tells me that everybody matters. Everybody has a seat at the table. Everybody is welcome. Everybody is significant. Every single person within the sound of my voice matters to God. You were important to the creator of the universe. You were a child of the king. You have a seat at his table. And some of you today, you may not feel that way. You may not feel worthy to be at the table. You may feel unnoticed. But Jesus says, come. In fact, I didn't put this up on the screen, but in Revelation, Jesus said it this way, the spirit and the bride say, come. And, and, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. Now that's some invitation. Jesus went to the closet and added a leaf. He got another chair. And he said, I want everybody to be invited because everybody is significant. The second thing I want you to notice is at the table, there is sacrifice. Look what it says in verse 33. His disciple had answered, where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, Jesus said. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. Now, here's something that's amazing to me. The miracle of the feeding of the 4,000 happened after the, meet, the feeding of the 5,000. And these same guys are there. And I'm just wondering, how could they not remember a few days, weeks, or months before how Jesus hadn't on that same mountainside just fed 5,000 people, now it's 4,000. To me, if he can feed five, he can feed four. Do you know what I'm talking about? And he would have looked at that and said, why can't, they, why can't he do this? Why, why do, why will, why, how are we going to do it again? And maybe they didn't remember. I don't know. But then I think maybe it's a lot like me. Because God's blessed me in the past. God's worked in my life in the past. And aren't we just like the disciples? Because then another problem comes. Another heartache comes. And we ask the Lord, what have you done for me lately? Where are you when I need you the most? And we're saying, God, I know you did it in the past, but can you do it again? And these individuals, these disciples, must not have put all of that together. And Jesus just says, look, right now, in this place, I'm just asking you, what do you have? What do you have? And so they looked around and they gathered up a few, uh, a few fish and seven loaves of bread. And they must have looked around at that large crowd and just been like, again, I don't know how we're going to do this, seven loaves and a few small fish. They're not going to feed this entire crowd. How is it going to happen? But in this, we see something significant about Jesus. And that is that Jesus could have done this out of the air. How many of you know that? He created the world out of the air. He could have created bread, and he could have created fish out of the air. But he didn't. He took what they had, and he multiplied it. He took their little gift, their little ability, their little resource, and he took it and he multiplied it. And the lesson is there that while Jesus doesn't need us, he chooses to use us. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to say, Jesus, here's what I have. Now, God, please use it. So what do you have? What talent do you have? What ability do you have? What resource do you have? Maybe you look at it and say, God, it's not significant and it's never going to make a difference. I don't have much to offer. But he still wants you to give it. 
Because when you give it, you're saying, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you. This is the last loaf of bread I have. I trust you with it. And when I give it to you, you're going to do something great with it. You're going to do something great. We love our trips to El Salvador because the beautiful people there always take such good care of us. And can I say that I had mentioned a few months ago that we have been very concerned about Pastor Ruben, the pastor of the church in Chauchuapa. And I told you about how the corrupt government has been going after gangs and uh, going after drugs, and yet they've been doing it in a way that does not allow due process. And so they were looking for anybody, anybody who had ever had any past connection to a gang or any accused uh, uh, possible connection to a gang. And, and Reuben had had a false accuser. And so they went into his home. And they took Reuben out of his home and away from his wife and away from his daughter and away from his church. And for the last many months, he has been sitting there in an El Salvadorian prison, which is not easy. And we've been praying for him and we've been concerned about him. And the other day on Thursday, in the early morning hours, I was uh, awake early as often happens these days. And on my phone from Facebook, I got a message from Pastor Ruben, and he said, Hola, uh, mi hermano, estoy ya en casa uh, con Allison. And he's saying, I'm at home with my daughter, Allison. And so Pastor Ruben is home with Regina, his wife, and his lovely daughter, Allison, and they have released him. Amen. <laughs> and uh, we rejoice with the Lord for that. He said, praise the Lord. I said, is it, was it rough? emotionally, physically. He said it was very difficult, but he said he'll be fine. And, uh, and so we're just celebrating that. And so friends, I want us to go back in the summer of 2023 to El Salvador. We have not been there for four years, and, uh, and we need to go back. And COVID has now uh, decreased, and now that Pastor Ruben is back, I want us to be able to go back there. And so we'll begin planning for that. But when we eat in El Salvador, the meal is always very similar and the women all day long are preparing this beautiful meal for us. And it is rice and a little bit of salad, which involves some tomatoes and a little bit other things, usually no dressing, and chicken, not fried chicken, just chicken on the bone, chicken that they cooked in, the, in a pot, and pupusas, which uh, are this sort of flour or corn tortilla, I guess. Uh, that is made specifically in El Salvador. And the women work all day, and they are so happy and so proud to be offered that meal to us. They are offering us a seat at their table, and it is so beautiful and so welcoming, but it costs them something. They bring their very best so that we would be able to have a meal with them. And when you take a little bit, God uses that, and he blesses us as those who are coming, and he blesses those who give. And guys, I'm just telling you this, that when we give, that when we serve the Lord, when we offer our resources, when we give our time and our talent and our abilities, God blesses that. He doesn't have to have it, but he chooses to use it. He chooses to take what we have. I, I told the church in Middletown last week that uh, anything worth doing takes time and effort, but it is so worth it. It is so worth it. The truth is, about five weeks ago, uh, I looked around at the building there, and I thought to myself, no matter how hard we had worked up to that point, unless I'm here day and night, this building is not going to get finished. 
And in fact, we had a guy from the church there who looked around the same as I had, and he said, you're not going to get there. You're not going to finish. And as soon as he walked out of the room, I looked at Brittany and Alex. You know, Brittany was like I was day and night. I looked at Brittany and Alex. I said, yes, we are. You know, he said, we're not. I said, yes, we are. We're going to get there, and we're going to work hard. And the truth is, the last five weeks have been very intense. Brittany from our staff worked hard, too, and so did a lot of volunteers, It was difficult. It was challenging. There wasn't a whole lot of sleep. There was one of our subs in particular that wasn't getting the job done. And if you want to know who that sub is, I'll tell you later. Amen. Um, But it wasn't until Friday uh, that we were able, that the city came in and they said, okay, we'll let you meet. We're not going to hold you back from Sunday. It was Friday before Sunday. And I told the people at Middletown last week, anything worth doing, takes time and effort, but it is so worth it. And at our staff meeting on Monday, as we were reflecting back on everything that had gone on the last few weeks and celebrating accomplishments, and I looked around at the team, and I was talking about this level of sacrifice because I know the team is tired, and they've given a lot. And I said, do you know what? You guys around this table who have a baby, and maybe you guys can relate to what I'm saying here too, what's the benefit of having a baby? I mean, really, You stay up at night. You jump at every little cry. You're there to attend their every need. You make sacrifices. And what's the payoff? I mean, they've come out with reports now on how much it costs between the time that they're zero to 18 to have a baby. It's something like a million dollars. And friends, can I just say today, is it really worth it? I mean, really, when you think about it? But friends, it is so worth it. As we watch that baby grow up, and we learn, and they learn, I mean, and then they accomplish, you look back on their little life, and that baby brings so much joy to you, and it was worth it. And friends, last week, Axis Church had a baby, and it took sacrifice, and it took effort, and and Josh reminded us at staff meeting that that's not the only baby that we've had. We helped a church plant in northern Kentucky before. We've helped the church plant in El Salvador. We've been involved in starting Kala Coffee House, which offers a cup of of coffee to renew and to refresh people because it also, we pray, comes with relationship. And everybody, when we come together on these things, we're making sacrifices. And I know that you have heard from Mark and from Josh on this, but I just want to say to you all here today, if it weren't for Mason, Middletown wouldn't have happened. If it weren't for your sacrifice, if it weren't for your gifts, if it weren't for you carrying the day, Middletown wouldn't be happening today. And Middletown is changing. And I I told you a lot about my buddy Joe, but the other day we were cleaning the baptistry tank up there, and theirs is more like a communion table, this slash communion table, half baptistry, you pop the lid off, there's water in there. And uh, it's a surprise. But we got into that thing, and it was the dirtiest water you've ever seen in your life. And Mark was like, you know who the last person was to be baptized in here? I was like, no. He's like, Joe. And we're like, that dude had a lot of sin. I mean, really, it was the dirtiest water ever. And we got rid of all that stuff, and we flushed it down the drain, and we're like, all right, now it's ready for somebody else. And it is so worth it. The sacrifices that we make, the little that we offer, The the little that we give, God multiplies our efforts so that we can offer more seats at the table. Sacrifice also looks like maybe being willing to adjust or be flexible in some way. 
Now, one of the things I love about the Mason campus is you guys are so willing to be flexible, and we've had so many changes over the years, and I hardly ever hear anything negative. That's just true. People are like, okay, we, it's good. Let's go. Let's enjoy it. You know, there's just this movability. That's not so much the way it is in Middletown. <laughs> I got a couple people there that, let's just say, they don't carry my picture in their wallet anymore, all right? They don't love, you know, like, or even early on, they're like, we don't love the changes, you know, and, uh, and it's like, we don't know what we're going to do, and we're not that happy, and, and uh, yeah, we have a lot of people who are like, hey, let's go. One of the people I love up there is Stella, who makes the donut, or gets the donuts for everybody, and at day one, we were going to make this big change way before we ever built. And Stella was one to speak up in the prayer circle. And everybody else was like, we don't know about this. And Stella goes, I just want our little train to hook up to your all's big train. And that's what she said. And she's so excited. And, and uh, she was there last week. And then there was my mom, 84 years old. And she came out after worship. Now, it was a little dark in the room. I'll give you that. I, I like to have it maybe dark during worship because it creates an environment. But I like it up during the teaching. And you know why? Because I've always, during Access Church, wanted people to know that it's never about the person on the stage. Amen? It's never about Stephen Sams. It's never about Josh Romano. It's never about Connor Dale. We don't want anybody's name other than the name of Jesus. And because of that, we turn the lights on up so that you can see and so that you can look around at this church and go, it's not about one person. It's about all of us together. But last week, they left the lights down. And uh, I'll tweak that later a little bit, but they left it down the whole time. And and uh, my mom came out. I said, Mom, what'd you think? Oh, it was good. It was fine. But she had a little journal there with her. She said, I wasn't able to take notes. It was too dark. And I started to fumble for an answer. You know, oh, maybe we'll do this or that. And she said, no, nope. Next week, I'm just going to sit over by the garage door where the light comes through. Now, think about that. Here she is saying, I know it's darker than what I prefer, but I'm going to go to the garage door. And next week when I go up there to teach, I'm going to be using that illustration and I'm going to be reminding the people that every single one of us need to get closer to the garage door so that every single one of us can make an adjustment. Every single one of us can think about how can I make a sacrifice so that more people can come to Christ. Amen? You are significant and you make sacrifices. And number three, I would say at the table there is satisfaction. It is worth it. Verse 36 says, Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls, realized they had seven loaves, that after they fed all these people, now they have seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were 4,000 men, besides the women and children. So 4,000 men plus I don't know, another 4,000 women plus children, 8,000, 10,000, 12,000 people. And the scripture says, everyone was satisfied. Isn't that great? Everyone. No one was left out. No one was neglected. Everybody was satisfied. And friends, I want you to know we all have appetites. And so many times we seek to fulfill those appetites through other ways. Some of those are unhealthy. We're depressed so we go with friends out to drink, but our problems still exist. We feel anxious about something, so we overeat, try comforting ourselves through food, but our problems still exist. We feel lonely, so we indulge in a sinful fantasy in our mind, but our problems still exist. We feel unaccepted, so we buy things we can't afford, 
but our problems still exist. Ecclesiastes, one time the Solomon said, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Friends, Jesus is the only one who truly satisfies. He one time in the Sermon on the Mount said, blessed are those who hunger, for they will be satisfied. Matthew says it this way, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled In other words, when you seek first the things of God, He will fill you up and He will use your small efforts to bring about satisfaction both in yourself and in other people. And we will do that as we help more and more people know Christ. Well, we told you that there are other babies that are being made uh, uh, under the kind of the heading of Axis Church. And one of those happened two Mondays ago. Josh reminded us at staff meeting that it's not just Middletown, but it's a thing called Abide Worship. JB, uh, who you know, used to lead a young adult uh, worship experience called Echo. And this was up in his college, up at Ohio Christian University. And and they had about 30 or 40 students who would show up through this. And it was just something that JB was so good at and he was pouring into. and, And then he had the idea that maybe he should start something like that down here. And so they began to promote it on uh, Instagram or Facebook and whatever else the kids are using these days. And he promoted it everywhere. And, and he said, I don't know what ha- was going to happen. And Andrew and him talked before, said, let's just prepare a half a coffee pot. We might have 20 or 30. 90 young adults showed up in Kala uh, on two Mondays ago. It's going to happen again tomorrow night. And all they did, I said, JB, because it was about a two-hour worship experience, no lyrics on the screen, and, and it, there was no screen at all. It was just, I said, how many songs you prepare? He said, one, the first one, the first one. And once they played that first song, they just flowed right into the next one. And whatever the next person kind of wanted to sing out, flowed into the next one, the next one, the next one. And, and a lot of people say, oh, millennials or all these, you know, gen whatevers, gen zers, there's no hope for them. Well, you wouldn't think that if in that room you saw people of every tribe, nation, language on their face, hands raised before the Lord, it would give you hope about this generation. If I planned something like that, which I've tried to in the past, about five people would show up and be like, well, this is not going to be that great. But JB plans it, the Lord blesses it, and God does something. Here's the thing. Hannah is involved in it. Darian, who's on our staff now up at Middletown, she plays keyboard up there. She's involved with it. JB's involved with it. Our young adult community's involved with it. But guess what? Axis Church's name is nowhere on that because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And forever and always... We will be about making babies. We will be about offering seats at the table. We'll be continuing to tell people, pull up a chair, go to the closet and get a leaf, and let's bring it in and let's expand this table. And I'm now just not talking as a church, as the corporate entity, the church. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the JBs in the room. I'm talking about the people that would say, I have an ability, I have a talent, I have a home, I have a table of my own, I have a meal that I can offer, and I'm going to offer my little, and I'm going to see what God is going to do with it. And I'm going to offer a meal to somebody in need. I'm going to provide a need to somebody. I'm going to find a need, and I'm going to fill it. 
And if you're not sure how to do that, listen to what Isaiah chapter 58 says about how we do this. It said, if you do away with the yoke of oppression and the pointing finger and malicious talk, uh, hello, hello social media, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Who is that person? The person who pulls up a chair. The person who puts a, puts a leaf in the table. And that's you. And we're going to continue to be about that as a church. We're going to continue to move that direction as a church. And we're going to continue to see more and more people come to Christ. And we're going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate that. There's just only celebration here. No jealousy. No contempt. No malicious talk. Just simply, God is good. And your faithfulness endures forever. And God, we're going to do everything we can to help more and more people find a seat at the table at the feet of Jesus. Amen. God, we give you thanks today for your love for us and for your grace. We give you thanks, God, for what is happening in Middletown. We pray your blessing upon that. We pray your blessing upon abide worship where more and more young adults will come and they will experience Christ and they will get to know him personally as they just, just worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we thank you for moments like today where we as a church family just simply read through your word where we're enlivened again in our spirit to be about the mission of Christ. God, we thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, and how you lead us. Help us to always, God, always, 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 never make it about us. Let's be willing to put that leaf in the table and slide that chair up and to say to other people that we know, you are welcome here. God, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.